But right now we're in that gap where things aren't working. And so this is our chance to turn the world around with the masters as they come forward. We're going to build a new civilization. We're going to build a new civilization that provides food and clothing and shelter and education and health care and freedom and justice and dignity for everybody. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, David Minot II. For this episode, we'll be tying into one of our sister shows, What in the World is Happening?, which, so to speak, tills the same esoteric soil as Planetary Makeover. Their staff will be joined by one guest, Dick Larson, who you may recall is a co-founder and former host of Planetary Makeover. All of the guests have been studying the Ageless Wisdom teaching for decades. So this will be a spirited discussion about the new age breaking on humanity's horizon and which beckons us to embrace it. So that is the essence of this show, the eight great spiritual facts of life. Enjoy. And I'd like to just say welcome to the people who just joined us on Zoom and you were in the waiting room. Uh, thank you for coming today. Welcome to the show. We're happy to be here again. Uh, I'll just repeat our names. Um, we've got myself, Sabina, in Edmonton, along with Tim Bootski, who's also in Edmonton. Hi, Tim. Hello. And Cielito is with us in Seattle. Hi, Cielito. Holding down the tech end here. Thanks for your patience. <laughs> and we're joined by our special guest today, Dick Larson in Los Angeles, California. Hi, Dick. Hi, everybody. And our show today is Eight Great Spiritual Facts. And we're very excited to hear what Dick has to say. So anytime you want to jump in, do we want to talk about our links and our resources first? Sure, we have some great resources. If the information we're talking about today resonates uh, with you and you want to find out more, you can certainly check out the website share-international.org. So shareinternational.org. Uh, there's some great videos on YouTube on the Share International YouTube channel. Uh, some great lectures and, and uh, great information there. And there are also some great downloads and books that you can look into on share-ecart.com. Uh, and some free downloads as well. Great. So, Dick, are you ready to start? Do you sure. want to jump in? Sure. So we're going to talk today about eight great spiritual facts of life. And one of the things we want to say right at the outset is that although we consider these to be facts, we're absolutely convinced they're true, we're not asking you to believe that. We're not asking you to believe anything that we say. <laughs> Actually, just just we're not here to try to convince you that what we say is true. We're just here to present our information. And if 10 or 20 or 30 percent of it makes sense to you, we'll be very, very happy with that. Um, so you don't have to believe anything we say. Um, uh, the source of our information, people always ask, what's the source of your information? Well, the source of our information is something called the ageless wisdom teachings or the ageless wisdom 
it's a living philosophy. It's a philosophy about life, about why we're here, what we're doing here, who we really are, and so on. And this philosophy is as old as humanity. And the teachings have been passed down first verbally, and then finally in writing the latest, the two latest teachers of the Ageless Wisdom are a woman named Alice A. Bailey, who wrote about 20 books in the 1930s and 40s. And then Benjamin Krem, spelled C-R-E-M-E, looks like cream, but it's Krem. He, was, he lived in London, passed away a few years ago. He has about 17 books, I think, on Amazon.com. We're not here to sell books, but we want to make you aware of them in case you want to check them out for more information. He was the latest revealer. All of us knew Benjamin Krem um, and spent quite a bit of time with him and found him to be fascinating, uh, honest, and inspired. And um, so Benjamin Krem is the source of the information that we're going to be giving out about the world teacher. So let's start. Great fact number one. Everything is God. This is pretty basic stuff, but a lot of people are unaware of it. Everything we see and don't see is God. Now, that doesn't mean we go around and worship trees and stuff like that. I'm not talking about worshiping. I'm talking about having respect for realizing that everything on our planet that we see and don't see is sacred, including us. We're sacred. We're spiritual. See, when I grew up, I heard about God transcendent. God way out there somewhere on a cloud, sitting in a gold throne. Uh, that was the God I grew up with. But then I learned later that there's also God imminent, God in us and around us all the time, all the time. And so God is in everything we see and don't see. God is neither male or female or Christian or Buddhist or any religion. God is in all the religions and in no religion. And God responds to any name that, that different religions want to call him. One name, same God. So, so Dick, can I just say something? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so you were talking about worshiping trees and you said um, something like, we don't worship trees. <laughs> right. Well, I just wanted to say, though, that a person could worship a tree uh, or even a stone or, or any particular thing. Uh, if they felt they were experiencing God in that form, right? Absolutely. What I meant was when I said everything is God doesn't mean that just because you worship God, you have to worship a tree. You know, that's that's right. part of what we're going to talk more about later, Sabina. It's a good point, is free will. We all have free will, and we can choose to worship or not worship in whatever way we want to do. Absolutely right. It's It's a fascinating idea just to contemplate God, the way you're saying, in everything, everywhere. I mean, both within everything and without everything. Uh, uh, I, I, I love it. I think it's exciting. People ask me, how do you know there's a God? Well, in my mind, there's only one way you can know there's a God, and that's not by believing in God, but by experiencing God in your life. That's how people know there's a God. They've experienced God working in their life, and then God becomes very real for them. But it's a very personal experience. This is, you can't just, you know, throw out this idea or this experience to everybody because we all have our own personal experiences. But once you experience God in your life, 
then you know there's a God. That's what faith is. Faith is a combination of belief and experience. Yeah, that makes right. sense. I wanted to say, how do we define God if everything is God? Yeah. How do we define God? That's good a very question. Good point. Well, to me, God is whatever you want God to be. It can be all the love in the universe, all the intelligence in the universe, um, all of the power and wisdom in the universe. Um, whatever people want God to be, it can be. It's a, it's a being greater than us that inspires us, watches over us, and has messengers to do that, we will talk about later. I think all of us intuitively feel that there is something greater than us, uh, regardless of how we were raised, what tradition we might have been brought up in. Uh, but I think that sense of wonder and connection to something vast, something, well, beyond us, I think it's something natural and innate that people feel. Uh, and when when anyone is in a... In a, in a situation of distress or pain, uh, it's a natural impulse to call out for help. And of course, we'll call out to those around us, but we may also simply call out within ourselves to something beyond us. Please help me. Uh, please guide me. Uh, and that's absolutely a fundamental experience that probably most of us have, have had. I, can I bring in this question as well? Or yeah, please. Yeah, um, so the question is, how do you experience God specifically? Um, when I have asked for help with certain things, I experience God working in my life. I'll give you an example. My daughter, who lives in Central California and has her own family, was having a particularly perplexing issue, and I asked God to remove that problem. And believe it or not. The very next day, she called me specific, not knowing I had asked, specifically to tell me that problem had gone away. Now, that tells me there's a God. Wow. So it's experiences like that for others or for ourselves that where, where we, we sense goodness. You know, like I sense goodness in the universe. I sense that the universe supports us in being happy and healthy and free. And that's got to come from some supreme intelligence or source of love. Um, I can't be that mistaken to have that sense my whole life. So I think it's personal. I think each person has to define and look at their life and say, what experiences have I had that might show me there's a God? I would say yeah. experience the recently, the way I've been experiencing what I would call the unknowable that I also think of as God is just it's sent I'm just overcome by a sense that I cannot put to words it's it's just this and it, it'll happen out of nowhere I I had an experience of it having a bowl of cereal this morning <laughs> where just this sense of everything's as it should be everything's going to, everything is fine and in place. And there's just this intense serenity plus energy that I feel. I, I feel a downpouring of energy and it causes me to be very still. And um, to me, that's, I don't, that could be an experience of many different things, but it is an experience of feeling connected and feeling 
serene and feeling sure that all is well. That's that's the best I can put words to that experience. Okay, I think maybe we should move on if we're going to get through all eight of these. Um, okay. If that's okay. Great fact number two. Great spiritual fact number two is there is a plan. There is a plan. Now, despite the appearances of chaos and so on that are going on now, God has a master plan for its creation. And we can't know all the details, but it involves learning and growing and spiritualizing ourselves stage by stage, bit by bit as we spiritualize ourselves. Now, this great plan, the overall great plan, as I understand it, and I want to share it with you in case it makes sense for you, picture picture the spiritual universe up here and then the physical universe down here. Okay, spiritual, physical. So this is our planet. This is us on our planet down here. Everything, the, the plan says, Everything that's physical came out of spiritual. Spirit made what's physical. And then it says that whatever is physical will ultimately come back to spirit, will return to spirit. That's the great overall plan. So this part where spirit becomes physical is called involution, involution. And the part where physical returns to spirit is called evolution. So if we're here and we're on the planet and we're in physical world right now, what we, if we want to participate in the plan, then we want to participate in evolution. We want to evolve, which means learn and grow. And so that's just a kind of quick overview of the plan is that everything is spiritual and then it starts out that way and becomes physical. And then as part of the plan, we want to evolve. We want to learn and grow. Now, the royal road to spiritual growth, according to the Ageless Wisdom teachings, which I'll get into in a minute, um, the, the royal road is service and meditation. Service by serving others, we serve God. So service to others and meditation. Now, meditation isn't for everyone, but you won't know until you try it. <laughs> so I suggest if you haven't tried it, you try it. So this, we can be sure this is a brilliant plan, and obviously we're a big part of it. You know, Dick, I wish I had heard you years ago. <laughs> Your description of the plan uh, would have helped me many, many years ago when I first heard about the story that we're talking about and that we talk about every Saturday on this show, um, a great spiritual event unfolding, and you're going to go into more of it. Um, when I first heard that there is a plan uh, of evolution, a plan for humanity, I recoiled. I didn't understand what that meant. It sounded like there was this great impersonal thing being imposed on special little me. And yeah. I, I wanted to know that I could make my life be whatever I wanted. I didn't want anything to do. Like I read about this, like a plan. What? So, uh, <laughs> I, so do I qualify for this plan? You know, like all this stuff came into my head. And I, I tell you, I focused on all the juicy parts of 
the ageless wisdom teachings and I ignored the plan part and I think that really limited my understanding and my learning for many years because I it, it, it was too daunting for me to try to understand the plan but the way you put it just now um, I wish I'd heard that years ago. So Celita, can I ask you a question? Were you afraid of being railroaded into stuff? Were you like, oh no, they're going to tell me what to do. I won't be free anymore. Was it that it, kind of feeling? It was that, but I think what, what I found intimidating was I sensed that a lot of what I thought was true was going to be upended, that I would be told it wasn't true. I think that was really at the heart of it. And I was well, afraid of that. I want to mention one thing. We have another question. What what do we mean by grow? And I think that that ties in with what you're saying about a plan, sure. because uh, my understanding of growth is expansion, uh, becoming more in every sense, uh, more aware. We're, we're talking about the growth of consciousness here. Uh, I mean, our physical bodies, of course, do continue growing throughout our lives. Um, but really, in terms of the topic of this show, it's it's the growth of consciousness. So that means becoming more aware all the time. And that means gaining more understanding. Right. If we evolve, see, every major philosophy and religion of the world agrees. Humanity is made up of four aspects. Physical, emotional, also called astral, mental, and spiritual. And so first we evolved physically. We, we were animal man. And then we became man. And we still have a little bit more physical to evolve. We're going to see more colors. Um, and But we're, we're physically, we can make dexterous movements with our fingers. We're physically very evolved. Emotionally, humanity has kind of over-evolved. We're making major decisions in our life based on feelings. Well, the problem with feelings is they're temporary. Just, do you don't like how you feel? Just wait 10 minutes. You'll, you'll feel different. So... We've over-evolved emotionally, and what's next for humanity is to evolve mentally, and now we can think, but we don't direct our life from our thinking. We direct it from our feelings, mostly, and so evolve mentally and spiritually, and if you look at physical and emotional, you could call that your lower self, and now we're aiming for the higher self, which is a combination of mental and spiritual. And so we want to use the mental and spiritual aspects of ourselves to guide our lives. That's the next step for humanity in growth. So when I say growth, I mean evolution through those as well as the evolution of consciousness. As we evolve, we become more and more aware that we're not humans having spiritual experiences. We're spirits having a human experience. And so that, that's the order in which humanity evolves and humanity isn't the only thing evolving and growing. The whole planet is. The whole planet is involved in the plan. Everything well, that's physical is going to ultimately return to spirit. And, and so, Dick, isn't it true that the whole universe is evolving? I mean, it's, it's something that's taking place everywhere, right? It is, but I can't wrap my brain around that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you're absolutely right, of course. Yeah, surely. So, and that's how the planet evolves. The planet evolves because we evolve, we grow. And so learning and growing, learning and growing means taking responsibility. It means seeing all aspects of how other people see things and how they feel. It becomes, it means becoming part of the brotherhood of humanity and working together, which we're going to talk more about. 
and growing, I want to have this related to my feeling intimidated about hearing about this plan of evolution. Growing also means letting go of old ideas, ideas Boy. that don't serve. And I certainly, when I compare myself to the, you know, years ago when I first heard this information, I've certainly outgrown many of the notions I had then and completely let them go. I mean, they're not even a part of my life. They, they can't even, I can't make them be a part of my life. I've gone far beyond that. And this seems like humanity's facing this right now too, asking a lot of these difficult questions, trying to increase in awareness, dropping beliefs that they thought were true, um, trying to reestablish connection, brotherhood to each other. That's a good Very point. Good. Growing. Yeah. We're definitely, 2020 has been the year of growth, hopefully. Great spiritual fact number three. Wait a sec, Nick, just before you continue, just a sec. There was a question, why did we over-evolve our thinking as opposed to our thinking ability? But you actually said feeling, didn't you? I did. Right. Our feelings were over, have over-evolved to the point where we're, we depend on our feelings to kind of run our life. When in fact, it's time to switch and, and use our mind and our spiritual aspects to run our life, our soul. So, yeah, it was emotionally that we've over, over evolved, um, but we'll make it. <laughs> so kind of changing our compass a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Great fact number three, one rule fits all. One rule. And I'll tell you, one rule covers all behavior. It sums it all up. And it is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat others like you want to be treated. It's in every major religion. And it's about harmlessness and goodwill. It's about if you can't help somebody or love somebody, at least don't hurt them. And then goodwill is wishing good for others. The will of good for others. So being a force for good in the world is what is what the golden rule is all about. It's about thinking of others, not just ourselves, and being a force for good in the world by treating them well. We're going to talk about karma in a little bit. Don't want to get too into that right now. But the golden rule is the rule that fits every aspect of life. Treat others like you'd like to be treated. Um, it's about tolerance. So, Dick, this is... Um... Uh, I'm not much for rules, but I love this one, <laughs> the golden rule. Yes. So, and so you're talking about doing, doing things for others as you would have them do to you, but also saying things and thinking things. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. It all counts. Thoughts are things. And Thoughts it's something you can, you can yeah. nurture um, sort of in the home and, and expand as you go. You know, you that's grow. a, that's a good point, Tim. You know, it, it's, it's hard to just take a rule like that and apply it to everything. So a good place to start is with those nearest to you. Start treating them more and more. We're not going to do this perfectly, but more and more like we want to be treated. It's a matter of improving our behavior step by step by step by step and our thoughts. And then you can expand beyond the home and go to your job or, or you know, whatever, however you want to expand it. But yeah, it's about it's about treating others like you want. I mean, if if you want somebody to be thoughtful of you, you need to be thoughtful of them. That kind of thing. And what you were saying about thoughts uh, earlier, uh, both of you uh, thoughts. You said thoughts are a thing as well. Uh, 
And I know that in many, in many traditions, they teach that thoughts are energy, in fact, and that with your thoughts, you create, in fact. So they're very powerful. They're important. Very powerful. Actually, we're going to, in the future, we're going to do less talking and more thinking <laughs> as a human race. <laughs> okay, fact number four, happiness follows service. Now, something that I learned from the ageless wisdom that my religion didn't teach me, but I found out is critical, is that the nature of the soul is to serve. The soul seeks to serve. Now, this, we all have a soul, and actually we are a soul, but we all have a soul, and the soul is trying to get us to do its will, which is God's will, um, and that will is primarily to serve. The nature of the soul is to serve. Albert Schweitzer had a quote, beautiful quote, and he said, one thing I, Albert Schweitzer, you know, great humanitarian and scientist, he said, one thing I know, those who will be really happy are those who have found how to serve. And I'll tell you why. Because when we serve, we stop focusing on ourselves and we start focusing on other people. And when we, when we do that, it makes our soul happy. The joy in our soul just bursts out and makes us happy. So if you want to be happy, look for ways to serve. He also said, the purpose of human life is to serve and to show compassion. And so this, like I said, takes the focus off of ourselves and you can serve in any way. You can serve in big ways. You can serve in little ways. Just look, there's no one way to serve. People have come up to me and said, well, what is, what is the way that I should serve? Any way you want. Just look whatever your heart is drawn to and then participate. It's about filling a need. See, the thing about service is you fill a need because it needs to be filled, not because you want reward. If you want reward, it's not true service. Right. That makes you do sense. it without wanting recognition or any kind of reward. That's service. Yeah. Um, Dick, we have a, a question. Someone's asked, well, what if the, the world around you, the people around you don't, don't treat you with respect? Yeah. Uh, I think this relates maybe to the golden rule, but it, it, I think it fits with uh, service as well. What do you do in that case? Well, you... <laughs> You recognize the law of cause and effect, which we're going to get into, but the law of cause and effect says whatever you give out, that's what you give back. So rather than being discouraged and shutting down, I would suggest that what you want to do is give more, be kind, be kinder to others, be thoughtful of others, and eventually it's going to come back. Now, we're not in charge of the part that's hard to put up with, I should say. The, hard that's the, the part that's the hardest to deal with is the timing. We want it back right away, hmm. right? But, but that's not how it works. It will come back when it's good and ready to come back, but it will come back to us. So my suggestion to that question would be just keep putting goodness out there. Goodwill and harmlessness. Be as harmless as you can. You know, hmm. just, think, just think if in the whole world, if nobody hurt anybody. Be a different world, wouldn't it? Just harmlessness. Forget all the love stuff. You know, it would change the world. So just keep putting it out there. Right. You don't have to like someone to be harmless or to 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 help somebody. You know, isn't it funny how we 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 uh, 
determine whether someone deserves our help. I mean, obviously, we need to set boundaries in certain ways, but I think intuitively we we know where our boundaries are, um, and 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 we don't have to be riding in on a a horse and carrying a torch to serve either. It doesn't have to be grand gestures. Um, yeah. It can be as it's a simple sharing of oneself to help another. I wanted to share a quote from uh, Satya Sai Baba. No, no activity can give you the joy that service does. You should yearn for the chance to console, comfort, encourage, heal. See yourself as another. Feel his joy to be yours, his sorrow to be yours. I, I have that taped on my laptop here. <laughs> He didn't just say do it. He said yearn for it. Yearn for it. Look for opportunities to serve. Look for opportunities to be kind. <clears throat> when you pass someone walking on the sidewalk, say hi. Don't just look at the sidewalk and walk by. That's looking for an opportunity to be kind. You know, that I love that quote. That's wonderful. Well, and we also have um, a comment about well, how do you make time for service if you're working forty hours a week? And this brings me what? to. How do, how do you make time for oh. service if you're working 40 hours a week? How do you have time to, in addition to that, for example? And yeah. I, I think I remember that Sai Baba, again, speaking of Sai Baba, said, um, whatever you do, for example, your job, you might be uh, cleaning houses or whatever you might be doing, offer it as service. So your work itself, those 40 hours a week, are service. You are serving when you work. And in fact, in some cultures, for example, I know this in India, um, people refer to their job. They talk, they say, now I'm going to do my service. So you're, the work you do to earn your living is actually called service. People call it that. Um, so, and it's true, when you're working, you are serving also. Uh, but the idea here is that you can do that work as a form of service. You can offer it as service. It's a yeah. different way of doing the same thing. Uh, which will change the way you experience it and the way you experience yourself and the world around you. I think Absolutely. that's really powerful. Absolutely. And you can, you can be walking across the sidewalk and see a piece of trash, uh, pick it up and drop it in the next trash basket you come to. That's service to the planet, to everybody. You can serve by donating to causes that you feel strongly about. That takes no time. Um, and, and another way to serve that takes very little time, we're going to talk about later, transmission meditation is a way to serve the world. And it's a way for very busy people to just set an hour or two aside once or twice a week um, and serve the world. And we'll talk about transmission meditation a little later. It's something else that was taught by Benjamin Krem. Great spiritual fact number five. Everything works under law. God has great laws. There are great cosmic laws that govern everything in life. We'll talk about probably two of them. We might mention a third one, but the two that we want to mention for sure are the law of karma and the law of rebirth. Now, karma, let's take that one first. Karma is simply the, the way the, in the East that they call cause and effect, which is the way we say it in the West. Cause and effect. Scientists call it the law of action and reaction. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Now, this law of karma or cause and effect 
is, is taught in every major religion. It was taught in Christianity when Jesus said, as you sow, so shall you reap. Meaning as you throw seeds out, you will get back, you know, what you, the benefits of that. So he taught karma. It's just simply cause and effect. So we create our lives, believe it or not, <laughs> moment to moment by what we do and what we think. And so we take actions and then those actions cause an effect. That's why getting even never gets even. Revenge doesn't work because whatever happened to you was probably karmic and now it's balanced the scales. And now if you want to get revenge, now, now they owe you some instead. It starts all over. So when, when bad stuff happens, don't try to get revenge. Don't try to get even. Just let it, it's probably balancing out and just let it go. Let it go. That's detachment. Detaching from the need to do something about, uh, about hurt and pain that others are doing to you. So, Dick, I wanted to just mention something because when you talk about that, uh, the way to like not immediately think, oh, I have to get back at them uh, yes. and to see it in a bigger picture. Uh, that I think one of the things that helps with that bigger picture view is remembering that we live many times, like the the the, the fact of reincarnation, right? Uh, so maybe what I'm experiencing now, maybe I did stuff in past lives, which of course I don't remember now, but it's very possible I did things that caused this to be happening to me now, right? Yes. So you brought up the second one we want to talk about, which is <laughs> yeah. that's perfect. And, and when we talk about rebirth, we're talking about reincarnation. We're talking about the soul, which is eternal, taking different bodies in different lifetimes. And each time we pick up the soul remembers where our evolution stopped in that lifetime. And so each time we pick up where we left off, which is pretty cool. So we're always moving up or at least staying the same. We don't go backwards. Um, and so rebirth when i say reincarnation i'm not talking about coming back as an animal that's called the transmigration of souls and it's a whole different deal that's not what we're talking about we're talking about coming back as a person as a human being and so it makes sense of things like how could a six-year-old sit down at a piano and compose an entire cantata in 10 minutes well it was probably a composer in their previous lifetime how can this girl over here in Whittier in Southern California, when she was 14 years old, she was painting like four paintings at once, and they all look like Picasso. Her paintings are now hanging in museums all around the world. How could she do that? She probably is Picasso. That's how. So it just starts to, things start to make sense when you understand the idea of rebirth. Now, by the time you realize you're a living soul, you've had thousands of lifetimes. So most of us have had thousands and thousands of lifetimes. The soul is eternally patient. There's no hurry, but you can be in a hurry if you want to, <laughs> to evolve and learn and grow. But the soul is eternally patient. And if you want to coast for a lifetime, you can do that. It's okay. But once you realize you're a soul, you don't want to coast. You start to respond to your soul and you want to learn and you want to grow and you want to serve. And so rebirth explains so much. Now, the thing about rebirth is that after thousands of lifetimes, eventually, we're going to become a perfect human being. We will have learned all the lessons that planet Earth has to teach us. 
and then we will graduate from planet Earth and become a permanent spirit or a permanent consciousness as demonstrated by Jesus when he rose from the dead and he ascended. Well, he was showing us where we're all going to go. And once you get to that part. Can I ask you a question before you go there? Sure. I didn't didn't mean to interrupt, but this was on my mind. And this connects to, I, I think, where you might be going. Good. If we've been living thousands of lifetimes, if we have this very simple golden rule, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, which appears in, it's a rule that appears in every one of the great religions, and it's something we were taught when we were five years old, why are, why do we continue to be violent? Uh, why are, why do there continue to be wars? Why, why are people being tortured? Why are people still being killed after all this time? Because we make poor choices. We have free will. God doesn't cause hurricanes and tornadoes and, and earthquakes. We do. We do by our actions. For example, it's been pretty much proven scientifically now that when we do nuclear testing, it causes earthquakes somewhere. Um, and so we make poor choices. We let our feelings run our life. We get mad at somebody and we create violence. Um, There's also a dark side, which I don't like to talk about because then we give it power, but there's a dark side to life. There are dark forces that resist evolution, that are fighting evolution, that want to keep everything just the same. And those forces, when they get a hold of somebody, um, they can create a pretty evil, um, destructive person. And so the idea is to not let them in. (laughs) Well, and isn't it also true that sort of an answer to what you were saying, Cialito, that um, it's true that we've all lived many, many times, but some of us have lived more times than others. That is to say, some people are a bit further along. Some people are a bit further back. We're all at at a different point. It's like everyone's on this long, long journey and we're not all walking exactly in step with each other. So There'll be people who are ahead of me on the path. There are people behind me on the path. People are where they are. But it's also, I, it helps me to understand uh, others sometimes just to say, well, um, you know, whatever that person's going through, I've been through it too, or I will go through it. Uh, because all the experiences that, that are available for us to have, we're all going to have them. It's, it's, uh, in a, it's inevitable. It's, it's part of being alive on the earth. Um, and, and just I have to mention one more thing, and that was there was a question about why is there this, uh, why don't you get the rebound effect in terms of the law of karma? Why don't you get that like right away and that it, it makes it harder to learn if you can't see the, the, the effect immediately? Uh, Dick, do you want to answer that? Well, sometimes you do get it immediately. <laughs> see, the, the thing is to be aware of the laws. So if you're aware of rebirth, that helps you understand how some people can be more evolved than others. Like Sabina said, we're at different levels. That's what makes the world go round. We're not all the same. And and, um, with cause and effect, if you're aware of it, then you can can see it more easily. You can see it happen sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. And I think that God and God's helpers, the masters of wisdom, the ascended masters, know when the timing would be most effective there are, there are great lords, spiritual lords, called the lords of karma. And their job is to make sure that the law of karma works without fail. 
and they administer the laws of karma, the law of karma, and they know exactly what the timing should be for each of us and for each situation. So they administer the timing within the ability of people to exercise their free will. So they still have to work with humanity and our free will because, you know, we can decide things, but they can inspire actions and movements. So the lords, the, the lords of karma kind of administer that law and you don't know when it's going to happen. You just, that's where you have to have some trust in the spiritual universe, I think. Well, and also, I, I think there's another thing, and that may be simply that sometimes we have to catch up, uh, sort of catch up with ourselves in a way. Um, I think that in, in the earlier time of my life, when I was younger, I had a lot of catching up to do. Um, and I simply had to put my nose to the grindstone and be willing to do the work to catch up in the sense that it seemed like I had a lot of negative karma or that a lot of mm, difficult things were happening. But I, I just... You know, I was helped out with, with teachings that told me, okay, well, if that's the case, well, maybe it's simply that in this lifetime, you decided that you wanted to kind of get up to kind of bring the balance sheet into, into zero or close to zero. Uh, and so you're making up for maybe a lot of past lives where you weren't paying attention and you, and you weren't following these, these um, precepts or these ideas. So you're, you're catching up, you know. And maybe so I, I think... A, a, another way of saying that, perhaps, um, is uh, you're never given more than you can handle. We, we are equipped. You know, 2020 is, is challenging us in ways we never expected. But the rule is that, that we, are, we are never given more than we can handle. We can, we can handle what's presented to us. It's meant to take us to the next level, to make us stronger so then we can take on more. Um, and that gives me some encouragement <laughs> in my low moments. Yeah. Yeah, hope is critical. <clears throat> Having hope. That's a great point, Cialito. All right, fact number six. Humanity has wise helpers. Now, we've already mentioned these helpers a couple times uh, that, that help God administer the plan. Uh, especially with the humanity. Humanity has wise helpers is great spiritual fact number six. People who went before us, people who lived before us and evolved before us and became perfected human beings, learned all the lessons planet Earth has to teach, they graduated and became permanent consciousness, permanent spirits. Now, when you do that, you're called an ascended master. They have many names the masters of wisdom, the lords of compassion, the spiritual hierarchy, because even in the spiritual universe, they're at different levels. Masters are at different levels, have different levels of responsibility. These great beings who went, people who went before us are people like Buddha, Jesus, Mary, John, Paul, Ringo. No, not Ringo. <laughs> Just kidding. St. <laughs> John, St. Paul, Joan of Arc. These are all great Great beings that are now ascended masters or masters of the wisdom. And by the way, they're called masters because they're masters over themselves, not because they're masters over us. <laughs> they're masters over themselves. And these, these masters have seven paths they can take once they graduate from planet Earth. And one of those paths, thank goodness, is the path of Earth service. 63 of these great beings 
have hung around planet Earth and behind the scenes have been the inspiration for humanity's great advancements, great achievements over the eons. So these great masters of wisdom, these beings have been the inspiration behind the scenes for humanity and it is our information now that it's time for them to come forward, not all of them, but a lot of them, to come forward in physical bodies again. Last time was about 100,000 years ago, according to the Ageless Wisdom, and come forward in human bodies and walk with humanity on the planet as teachers, as teachers. They can't come and wave a magic wand and make everything all right. But they, they actually could, but they're not going to because of the law of karma. We made the mess, so we have to clean it up. So they're going to inspire us and teach us and guide us. They're gonna make suggestions. And then we have free will and we can either follow their suggestions to get this planet turned around and back on track or not. It's an individual choice. We have free will. Now, Benjamin Crumb's master said what, what is probably gonna happen is about a third of the people are gonna respond to the suggestions. The, these, these masters are gonna come forward. First, their teacher, their leader is gonna come forward. Teacher for the age of Aquarius will be the first one. About a third will respond. About a third will say, wait and see. And about a third will say, no way, no way. Antichrist, Antichrist. So you're saying that they're moving from behind the scenes to on the scene? Is that Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Like in the physical? In the physical. And um, Dick, I just have a question. One of our guests has asked, um, why have they been hiding behind the scenes when they should have been up front all along? They tried that. They tried, they tried it that. They already did it. Years ago, okay. in the Atlantean civilization on the planet, when man was mostly emotional and physical, didn't use our mind much, had a germ of a mind, and they thought, well, maybe we can advance evolution on the planet by giving humanity great science. So they did. They gave us science that we weren't capable of coming up with yet. And of course, we got all angry at each other and we made weapons out of them. And we basically blew up part of the planet. And that's why you can see part of the civilization of Atlantis under the oceans. So the masters thought to themselves, well, that didn't work. They're not ready yet. We have to wait until they're ready. So they retreated. Now they're not up in heaven, they're in the mountains and desert regions of the planet where they don't have to deal with smog and noise pollution and all that stuff. They can be focused 100% of the time on their responsibilities. So they decided to retreat and wait until humanity was ready. One of the great sayings is, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Well, we must be ready because they're starting to appear. There are 14 of these masters on the planet in physical bodies right now in some of the major cities around the world, including their leader, the teacher for the age of Aquarius, whose personal name is Maitreya. In Sanskrit, Maitreya means the happy one, the one who brings joy. And he's the first one that we'll see and that, that will talk to us. Um, and then the other masters will come forward. Why is he the leader? He's the leader because he's the eldest of humanity to stick around planet Earth. Maitreya and the Buddha were the first two earthlings to graduate from planet Earth and become permanent consciousness. Now, the Buddha has other work he's doing, and Maitreya is the head of the masters, the ascended masters, the masters of wisdom, 
and he is their leader. And so he's been working with humanity. He's the oldest. He's, he's the oldest earthling on this planet, and he's also the oldest master on this planet. And so that's why he comes first, and that's why he's their leader. So, Dick, wouldn't that mean that, in a sense, leader here means somebody who has more experience and therefore can also take more responsibility? Their vision is broader. They see farther. Absolutely. Okay. He, he is the Christ for our planet. What does that mean? It means he embodies the love of God, the, the, the Christ aspect, which is the love of God, which Jesus taught, the love of God. Um, and he is the Christ for our planet. He overshadowed Jesus. He put his consciousness in Jesus for those three years from the baptism to the crucifixion that Jesus did his primary teaching and so because he overshadowed Jesus, Jesus became known as Jesus the Christ. It's the age-old way that masters give out their teachings. The Buddha did it with Prince Gautama. Prince Gautama was born. He knew exactly what he was going to do. He volunteered to let the Buddha teach through him, just like Jesus did before he was born. And then when Prince Gautama reached a, uh, was of age, then the Buddha overshadowed him and put his consciousness in Prince Gautama's mind. Prince Gautama gave out the Buddha's teaching and became known as Gautama Buddha. This time, the teacher is coming himself. That's Maitreya, the leader of the masters. And he is coming as the teacher for the age of Aquarius. And I want um, to add that, you know, you're saying these masters are coming. Uh, Maitreya is coming. But in fact, for many, many years, people have had experiences of Maitreya and the Masters of Wisdom, albeit many unknowingly. Um, uh, this happens in times of disaster, um, in times of car accidents, in times of illness. I'm, I'm waiting to hear stories of people's experiences of, of what would seem to be Masters or Maitreya during this time of COVID because, because so many people are suffering. The Masters and Maitreya are the real first responders. Um, they are there at the major earthquakes. They are there at fires. They are there even uh, even in just normal everyday moments. People are having encounters um, with ordinary strangers. Oftentimes they are homeless, man or woman, um, a student uh, who's, who's a friendly student. And what I've noticed uh, in these experiences, which have been related in print by Benjamin Krem, uh, whose books we mentioned earlier, um, they, the hallmark of these experiences is that they're so ordinary and yet incredibly memorable. So I, I want to share that with the audience. And you don't even have to know about, the, of, about Maitreya or the Masters to have an experience. Of, uh, of them um, and I encourage the audience to think in you know in the past if they've had an unusual healing experience an unusual connection with a friendly stranger that remains in the memory oftentimes uh, they, they appear with luminous eyes and a very loving countenance so this is not an, something that we have to wait for people are actually having experiences of the masters 
Yes, when I meant when I said com coming, I meant coming out in the open uh, as who they are. Um, you're absolutely right. Masters can they can appear any way they want to. They can appear as a child, as an adult, as an African American, Asian, as as any any race they want to, any age they want to. They can appear to people and have been reports uh, of appearances of the masters have been shared with this magazine that Benjamin Krem started, Share International Magazine. And what people would do is write their experience to Benjamin Krem, and then he would have to ask his master because he was taught how to be in contact with one of the masters. And, and if the master confirmed that that was a true experience of one of the masters, he would publish the letter. Fact number seven, the time is now. The time is now. This is an urgent message we're giving you. We're entering a new planetary cycle. This is astronomy, not astrology that's in newspapers for entertainment. Astronomy, our solar system and our planet are surrounded by 12 great constellations called the Zodiac. And each constellation, they're huge. They have tremendous energies. And one at a time, we come into alignment with each of these 12 constellations. It takes 26,000 years to align with each of them once. So for about 2,000 years, we're in alignment with one of these. The last 2,000 years, we were in alignment with, with Pisces, the great constellation Pisces. And when that happens, we get a great teacher to inaugurate the teaching for that period of time. And when we're in alignment, we say we are in the age of whatever that constellation is. Well, in 1625, we started moving out of the influence of Pisces and its energies. And in 1675, we started moving into the influence and alignment with Aquarius, the next constellation in order. And so it's time for a teacher for the age of Aquarius to come forward. And that's the world teacher that we've been talking about, Maitreya, the teacher for the age of Aquarius. But right now we're in that gap where things aren't working. And so this is our chance to turn the world around with the masters as they come forward. We're gonna build a new civilization. We're gonna build a new civilization that provides food and clothing and shelter and education and healthcare and freedom and justice and dignity for everybody. Fact number eight, you play an important part. Thank you everyone. Thank thanks you for, for joining, joining us. us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you next week. And thanks, Dick. Well, that was simply exceptional. This and other episodes of What in the World is Happening can be viewed anytime on Share International Canada's Facebook page. Thank you. What in the World is Happening airs every second Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time.